Hey, good morning. I'll try to remember how to start this. You know, when you get to be a certain age, you know, it's like, but, you know, life is like a song. It, you know, music, when, you, when we practice together, you, you have to practice how you're going to start a song and then the middle and then the ending. And kind of life is like that too, though. You know, how do we start? We're going to talk a little bit about how to start a life with Jesus. But then, then it's the big life in between like that. You've, you've heard that on the, on the tombstone, you know, the dash in between the, the, the date you were born and the date you died and, the, and everything that goes on in the, during that dash. But then the end, how you finish too is important, very important. You could have a great beginning and a great middle and, and a horrible, horrible ending. Much better to have a very great ending, right? And uh, so I'm just trying to make some... Um, Something good out of, uh, you know, how ridiculous it was to not know how to start the song. <laughs> Let's open our Bibles, Joel chapter 2. I'm looking forward to Harvest America because uh, they're going to have some awesome um, bands playing and then testimonies and then Greg's going to give a, a gospel message. A great time to bring your... your uh, people that you'd like to just hear are going to be in the evenings, like a Saturday night and a Sunday night, and a great time just to, to, uh, to get together and have some, uh, hear the gospel. Joel chapter 2, we looked at the first part of, of Joel chapter 2, and really the message there was that, that he wants us to return to him with all of our hearts, to blow the trumpet, to sound the alarm, and that the day of the Lord is coming. And it's close at hand, and the question is, are we ready? And he says, how do you get ready? He says, you return to him with all your heart. Look at verse 12 there, chapter 2. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Why do we return to him with all of our heart? Because of who he is, because of the character of the God that we love and that we serve. He's so gracious and compassionate and, and abounding in love, slow to anger. And we saw there in that passage that from there, he, he kind of responds to our hearts and, and he can give us hope. He can turn things around and he can bring restoration and provision and security and rest and protection and comfort. All this as we, he responds to our hearts. And I really like that part where it says that he can restore the years that the locusts have eaten. When, when years have been wasted, he can restore those years. See, God is able to do that. You and I can't do that, but God is able to do that. He can make up for lost time and lost ground, right? So don't ever feel like, well, I've been too bad. It's been so long. It's been whatever. God can, can turn things around, and that's where our hope is. Even for our country, you know, it looks really, really bad. And as I read these words and, and the fact that, that things can get turned around, that it gave me some hope that if we would return to him with all of our hearts, things could turn around. Things could change. If you looked at it just on the outside, you said, there's no way that it's going to change. But it could if we turn to him. Now today, I want to look ahead. We're going to look at verses 28 to 32 and really kind of uh, look at what we commonly call the last days. The last days. 
Let's read verses 28 and 32. It says, excuse me, And afterward I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Looking ahead again to these last days. Now, any of you ever heard this passage in the New Testament? Any of you know where it is? In Acts, right. On the day of Pentecost... When God poured out his spirit, Peter quoted this passage. Now, this is, uh, this is prophecy, right, the, in the, one of the minor prophets here. And this is some 800-plus years previous that Joel's writing these words down. Now, when God pours out his spirit on the church there in the book of Acts. Well, let's turn there, shall we? I want you to see what I'm talking about here. Acts chapter 2. Peter quotes this passage saying, look at verse 17, Acts chapter 2, verse 17, starting in verse 16. Peter says this, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Radical things were happening. You know, the men were speaking in languages and tongues that they didn't know. Others were hearing about, about God through these languages. And someone said, well, no, they're just drunk. But Peter says, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And notice what he says in verse 17. He says, in the last days, God says. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. And then he goes on to quote that verse. So what, what we see happening here in the book of Acts Previously prophesied, and prophecy is an interesting thing. When you read prophecy, you need to kind of look at it and, and, and see in its context what was going on in the context of when it was written. But so often with prophecy, it's also speaking ahead to a, a, a time yet to come. Sometimes there were, there were passages in prophecy that would, that would apply to that time and a future time. So often that's the case. So we looked in the first chapter of the book of Joel about these, you know, locusts that came and, and we saw that there this radical time of crisis happened, economic crisis and then leading to spiritual crisis. And then also looking into the future somewhat a little further where the nation of Israel would be invaded by outside armies from the northern army, army it talked about, and, and they would be taken into captivity. But not only that, then looking ahead even further to the day of the Lord. Warren Wiersbe kind of sums it up. Now, it began there in the book of Joel, and then in the book of Acts, we see that it began, but it's still being fulfilled because not everything in that passage has yet 
been fulfilled, right? Some of the things there in that passage are yet to be fulfilled. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But Warren Wiersbe kind of sums it up like this, that it began with Jesus, and he, and he quotes Hebrews chapter 1 that says, in, in the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. In these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. Now, so it began with Jesus, but it will conclude, it will, it will march on towards what's called the Great Tribulation which we find in the book of Revelation, chapters 6 through 19. Also, we see it spoken about in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24. And then it will finally come to a head, so to speak, with the return of Jesus to the earth to deliver and to set up his kingdom. That's kind of a very broad picture of, of what's yet to come, what's coming. But it began there in, in Acts chapter 2, as we'll, as we'll talk about more in a minute, where God poured out His Spirit, which had not been done before, as it said there. So I want you to, we're going to look at some verses, though, about the, the last times, because uh, it's so important. Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. First, we're going to study, once we finish the book of Joel, we're going to study 1 Thessalonians. <clears throat> so we'll get more in detail with this. But I want you to notice this for the church in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse uh, 10. Speaking about those who turn from, from idols to serve the living and true God. He says, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Very important thing, that he rescues us from the coming wrath. The Great Tribulation speaks about a very severe time of wrath. We're going to talk again. When we get to 1 Thessalonians in a couple weeks, we're going to talk about this in much more detail. But, but God has a special plan for the church. We call it the rapture. And we'll get into that in more detail. But until such time, we're still, again, it began there in Acts chapter 2, the time of the last days. You say, well, that's a long time of last days, right? Yeah, it is a long time. But again, we'll read it here in a second about Peter. He says, you know, one day is like a thousand years with the Lord. Let's turn ahead a couple books there to 1 Timothy chapter 4. So 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, the Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron that in later times, in these last days, even during the time we're in now, we see that this false teaching comes. People abandoning the faith. The Spirit clearly saying that. And, and, and teachings that are very strange and weird. And if you, if you keep your ears and eyes open, you'll see there that's happening today. Weird teachings that would never, you, you never thought would have happened, would have come about. And yet it's what's happening today. 
How about 2 Timothy chapter 3? Turn ahead to the next book. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. But mark this. There will be terrible times. When? In the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Does that sound familiar to you? There will be terrible times. In the last days, Peter said it, in the last days, God will pour out his spirit. And, 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 but yet there are these things that are happening as well. How about let's turn to Second Peter chapter 3, the verse I was referring to. That's ahead again a, a few uh, books. Second Peter chapter 3, and starting in verse 3. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming that he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. And the Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's the message of the book of Joel, repentance, turning, returning to me, he says. That's what God's desire is, heart is. That's what God wants from each one of us, to turn back to him. You say, well, it's taken an awful long time, but you know what, he, he's being patient He's being patient. How about one more passage? Turn ahead to Jude. James, Peter, John, Jude, and Revelation. The book right before the Revelation. Jude, verse 18. Let's start in verse 17. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow, follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. And keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Things are going to get difficult, he says. Just because, you know, we're going to be spared from the wrath, it doesn't mean we're going to be spared from terrible, difficult times here. And we see it even now, and I, I see it getting worse and worse, and, and uh, you know, the, the, the way our society is kind of going towards being an anti-Christ society. 
But he says, for you, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit and keep yourselves in God's love. That's what you and I need to do. Be built up, pray, and keep ourselves in God's love, no matter what we see going on around us. Let's turn back to Joel. Pick it up there again. Joel chapter 2 and verse 28. He says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. I will pour out my spirit on all people. I mentioned earlier that previously it, 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 it was limited. God's spirit, of course, the, the spirit of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, eternally existent. But as far as God pouring out his spirit and coming uh, to be with people, it was limited. There were certain individuals at certain times where the spirit of God would move. But something happened here, and we see it in the book of Acts, when it happened, it was prophesied by Joel and then fulfilled in the day of Pentecost that the Spirit of God is now poured out on all people. It's now available to all people, and it, and it continues to be so during this, what we're calling this period of the last day, that God's Spirit is now available to each and every one of us. And I don't know about you, but we, I, need God's Spirit to make it, to survive. You know, one of the things we see about the passages that we just read about the last days, it becomes very humanistic. Without the Spirit of God, it becomes very kind of like what I want, what I feel, what I think. But I need the Spirit of God to, to just survive and to make it through this life and to be effective in this world. And to be effective in this life. Let's turn back to the New Testament again. Acts chapter 1. And, and, and what they were speaking about. Some of the things that. Let's just look at a few of the verses about the, the Spirit of God. And why we need Him. Acts chapter 1. If I can find it here. This is before the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 1 and verse 4 says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. This is Jesus after his resurrection. He says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. He ascended into heaven after he had said these words. These were the last words that he had spoken to them. So he said that the Holy Spirit was going to come. And then we see in, in Acts chapter 2 the fulfillment of what Joel spoke about and also what Jesus said. Listen, don't, you know, you know that commercial, don't leave home without it kind of thing. Don't leave home without him. 
I think is a better way for us to put it. I was thinking about it this morning. You know, we, we, he uses the word you will receive power. And, and yes, there is power that comes through the Holy Spirit, a power that we need, we need desperately to live, to survive, to do anything. And this particular verse is to be a witness. You and I can't witness without the Spirit's power to do it. I'm sorry. I don't care how persuasive you are, how you know, much charisma you have. Without the Spirit's power helping you to be a witness, it's just not going to happen. But having said all that, I, I was thinking about this, that, that it's not just this power source. And I think sometimes we've heard it, you know, the Holy Spirit described like that as just this power source. You know, this, it's a force that, that helps us. It's not that at all, is it? It's a person. The person of the Holy Spirit. He's come down. He, he was limited before, but now he's come down personally to be with each one of us. He is available to each one of us, you and me and, and all those that would receive and believe Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit would then come and live within us to be the Spirit of God. He says, I will come and I will live within you, he promised. How about the Gospel of John? Turn back a few pages. Gospel of John chapter 16 and verse 13 says, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Interesting. You know, again, he's a person, he's living within us, he's with us, he's upon us at different times. But, but he says the spirit of truth, when he comes, he will guide you into all the truth and he will bring glory to who? To Jesus, to, to the Son of God. He never kind of like brings glory to himself. He's kind of a gentleman in, in that sense where he's not trying to bring attention to himself. And, and again, I think that's where we can kind of go to these extremes where the Holy Spirit, we're just like, we're just like all, you know, ablaze with the Holy Spirit. But, but if, if the Holy Spirit is really ablaze, He's bringing glory to Jesus. He's pointing to the Son. He's pointing to Jesus. That's a, that's a good way to kind of know if we're, if we're going into one extreme or another. Is he, is, he, is he pointing to Jesus or He's like pointing to like all this stuff that's happening, you know, crazy and wild and activity. But is it pointing to Jesus? Is it bringing us closer to Him? Is it guiding us into the truth and opening our hearts to the Scripture? Again, being fulfilled in Acts chapter 2, the prophecy of Joel that, that he's going to pour out his Spirit and he's going to continue to do so for you and for me. How about Romans chapter 8? Romans chapter 8, turn ahead. John, Acts, Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Taking you to a lot of verses today. In the same way, the Spirit, the Spirit of God, helps us in our weakness. And then he gives an example. Of course, I believe he helps us in every type of weakness that we have. The Spirit of God living within us to help us. But look what he says here. We do not know what we ought to pray for. We don't even know how to pray. I mean... 
It's ridiculous to think that we really know anything. But we don't even know how to pray. And so the Spirit of God is helping us. The Spirit himself intercedes for us. He, he not only helps us, but he prays for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes or prays for the saints in accordance with God's will. That's why I said, like, are we going to try to do this without, without the Spirit of God? Um, Paul says in, in Galatians, you know, you started in the, in, in the Spirit. Are you going to now continue or complete in the flesh? Are you going to like, well, God, I needed you to get started, as I was saying in the analogy of a song. You know, I needed to get started. I need you to get started, but then I'm just going to kind of, you know, I'll carry it from here. And I'm going to march along and, and show you how, how cool I am and how smart I am, spiritual I am. And then we fall on our face and he says, I'm right here. I'll help you to pray. I'm gonna, I've been praying for you that you would kind of understand that you really can do nothing apart from Jesus, apart from the Spirit of God. He's interceding for us in accordance with God's will. What about Galatians chapter 5? 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians. Try to keep these in order for you so it's easy. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. He's already talking about the acts of the flesh. Verse 19 through 21. But he says the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit of God is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit. Do you want fruit in your life? I want fruit in my life. I, you know, I'm, we, we need to be desperate for fruit in our lives, but it comes as the fruit of the Holy Spirit within us. I think, I think some of us, maybe, I was just thinking, maybe some of us have had experiences in different places and churches. We're like freaked out about the Holy Spirit and we're like scared. Don't even talk about the Holy Spirit. It's like, you're, you're scaring me. There's nothing to be scared about, though. Because the Holy Spirit, He wants to bring this fruit in our lives and He wants to help us in all these different ways. He wants to help us to be witnesses and lights in the world. And to bring glory to Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit is love, agape, joy, peace, patience. Which one of those do you want right now? I mean, right now. Well, you, you're going to have to ask for the fourth one, patience. Because... <laughs> He's going to do it in his own way and in his own time and all things work together for good. We go through these trials and I'm going like, why do I have to like, I'm mentally going through this and I'm praying and going through this weird trial and my own, most of it in my own head. And then I, and I remember, you know, all things work together for good and he's going to teach the Holy Spirit. God is going to teach me something through this and help me to learn and to grow and to be more like Jesus but it doesn't always come through the easy way. It doesn't just say, you know, I'm going to give you the answers. You know, like you're going to take the test. I'm going to give you the answers ahead of time. Well, he kind of does because we have his word. But we've got to go through the class and we've got to go through the, 
the lessons and we got to go through the, the, you know, learning process. But I want those things desperately in my life. I don't know about you. I need those things every single day. We could just stop and look at those and, and talk about those, but we have a few more things I want to look at before we close. And We're not even going to get to the list, but there are lists, lists not only fruit that he's given us by his Holy Spirit, but gifts as, as well. And again, some people have, you know, got, they're afraid of, of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing to be afraid of. The Holy Spirit doesn't come to freak us out and scare us. He comes to enable us. And the gifts that he gives to us are to enable us to serve him. So why should we be afraid of that? I want everything that he has for me so that I can serve him better. And I can't serve him without him helping me. It's just not possible. So you can read these later. Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14. In Ephesians chapter 4, and those are not even exhaustive. Those don't even give all of them, but, but he talks there about the different gifts of the Spirit of God. That we might serve him, that we might be enabled to serve him in this world, in this life. I will pour out my Spirit. Back to Joel again, we see some Interesting things happening there. He says your sons and your daughters will prophesy. He's pouring out his spirit. They're prophesying. They're speaking forth the word. Your old men will dream dreams. I'm, I'm just like waiting. When am, when am I going to get the dreams? Your young men will see visions. And does that mean... Everyone's going to see visions? No, but at times, what, what, what I think he's saying, look in verse 29, even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. That, that it, there's going to be a variety, and we see this in, in the New Testament, a variety of the gifts of the Spirit of God, given to a variety of people, and, and, and we're not all the same. We don't all have the same gifts. If we, if we all had the same gifts, it'd be like if we all looked exactly alike. And if you all looked like me, it would be scary. If I was just looking out at me, that's scary. I have to look in the mirror once a day, that's enough. But, but you know what I'm saying, we're not all cloned. But we see it here. Sons, daughters, old men, young men, servants, men, women. We see prophesying, we see dreaming, dreams, visions. The, the, you know, the variety is just as... as uh, unlimited as the unlimited nature of God that God can do and work in us. That's why you and I, we each need to kind of find out who we are. And I'm still learning after 30 some odd years as a Christian, trying to learn like, well, who am I? Who have you made me to be? And how have you put me together and gifted? What gifts have you given me to kind of work with and to learn and grow in? Nothing to be afraid of though. I will pour out my spirit in those days and those days are the days that we're living in now, up until the time of the end, the day, the great and dreadful day. I like what Jesus said in Luke. He said, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. We know that part. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. He who knocks, the door will be opened. But then he goes on to say this, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? 
Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. Your son comes to you and says, can I have an egg? Yeah, here you go, son. <laughs> give you a scorpion. Like, it's not going to happen, hopefully. If you then, though, he goes on to say, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more will the, the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Nothing to be afraid of, but, but to ask and say, Lord, I need more of you. I need more of you in my life. I don't need more power, so to speak. I need more of you in my life. See, that's very different. Well, I want gifts, and I want power, and I want all these different things. No, it, what, what, what it really is is I want you. I want more of you in my life. It's more of a yielding of ourselves, letting him have more of us. Joel chapter 2, verse 30. We read those verses. The wonders in heaven, in the heavens, on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. These verses obviously are yet to be fulfilled. That has not happened yet. It's spoken about in many, many places. In Isaiah chapter 13, the day of the Lord is coming. It talks about the, the sun being darkened, the moon not giving its light. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus says immediately after the distress of the, those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And in Revelation chapter 6, he says, I watched as he opened the sixth seal. He said there was a great earthquake and the sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair and the whole moon turned blood red. That's, that's fulfillment of this verse here in Joel found in Revelation chapter 6 during this time of the great tribulation. So yet, some of it yet to be fulfilled. But let's look at verse 32, the last verse. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, that's also going to happen during this time of the tribulation where those who would call upon the name of the Lord, but it's also for us today. So in these last days, we see God pouring out His Spirit, but also this opening, this opening for those who, who would call upon the name of the Lord, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord to be saved, to be made safe, to be rescued by the Almighty God. Notice that it's for everyone. It's open to all that we would be saved from judgment. That's an interesting concept, though, when you, when you study it and you read about it. Way, way back in Genesis chapter 4, it says that Seth had a son. He named him Enosh. And at that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. So it's, a, it's not something new. But he says here that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And he's, again, looking at the context of judgment and the great and... and dreadful day of the Lord that was coming. I want to close, if you'll turn with me to Romans chapter 10. We'll close in Romans chapter 10.
Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Let's start in verse 12. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. See that there? Romans 10, 13. He's quoting Joel. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14. How then can they call? On the one they have not believed in. And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Those are incredible verses. But in, but, but in it, I see, I see a part of the purpose for the church to be to have those beautiful feet and to go and bring the message about Jesus that, listen, it's not you living a perfect life. It's not me being, you know, sinless because that's not going to happen. We are all sinners. But for, for us to, to call upon the name of the Lord, that's where, the, that's where we find salvation. That's where we're saved and rescued. But, but he says, how can they preach unless they're sent? For, so for us to be sending and, and, and you know, helping to support people that are going out all around the world to bring this message. And how can they hear without someone preaching that we have a message? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they call on the one they have not believed in? See how these all work together. You and I call in the name of the Lord, and then God works in us by His Spirit that we might be able to share with somebody else that they might call in the name of the Lord and be saved. We're in the last days, people. We don't know how much time we have. I don't know how much time we have. Certainly, none of us do. But I believe that we have to have a kind of a sense of urgency and a sense of, of, of let's just do what we can because we don't know. We don't know how much time we have. So let's live as if it, was, it could be today, it could be tomorrow. We don't know. So what does God want to do with you and, and what does he want to do with me? I think it's very personal, but I think we also need to encourage one another and stir up the gifts and stir up uh, that life within each other to serve God. Let's pray together, shall we?